everyone. Welcome to the Forever Blue Shirt Show. Post All-Star break, getting into the second half, the stretch run of the season. I have with me today, Jim Cerny, who was feet on the street, boots on the ground in Toronto for All-Star Weekend. Um, it had to be quite an experience. It's been a while since you've been uh, out in the field. How was it? I mean, it was a great time. It was, uh, you know, it was great to reconnect with, uh, you know, a lot of people I know in the league and, you know, players and, you know, former Ranger goalie Cam Talbot. It was great. You know, you talk about little stories on the side or whatever. He was doing his scrum on media day at his pod. And I got there a little late because I was getting, you know, some some other players, actually the Ranger players. So I was talking to them and then I scooted over to Talbot and he was just finishing up. And, you know, the PR guy's like, oh, you know, that, that's the end. Cam Talbot's done. So I weaseled my way to the front just to say hi. You know, I haven't seen Cam in a few years. He's like, oh, you know, hey, Jimmy, you know, how you doing? And we started talking. The PR guy's like, you know, Cam Talbot's done. And Cam's like, this is Jim. He's okay. We're going to talk. So, <laughs> and he was great. And, you know, his quotes that, you know, he gave me for the, the goalie story, which I thought was a cool angle, you know, the three of the eight goalies with the Ranger ties at All-Star, right? You know, Igor and Cam Talbot and Alexander Georgiev. Uh, it, Cam was great. Cam carried that story. It was great quotes and, you know, how he was talking about uh, he wouldn't be in the NHL if it wasn't for the Rangers, if he hadn't come up through that organization and worked, you know, under uh, Benoit Lair and learned under Henrik Lundqvist, uh, you know, it was really neat. So stuff like that, it's just great to be back kind of off the desk as I was for the past five years and kind of back into the fray. Uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. I hope the fans enjoyed it. We we got some video and, you know, we got a bunch of stories up and, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot you and I can go back and forth with here. But, you know, to me, you know, talk about goalies, from a Ranger point of view, Really, the all-star game, you know, Vincent Trocek, obviously, it's great. His family's there. You know, there are a lot of cool things. Frank for Toronto rumors, we'll get into that. I talked to Frank in Toronto as well. Uh, but to me, it's about Igor Shesterkin. And I know before the break, Anthony, he was, he was kind of open about his game and where it's been and how he's a little frustrated and, and he's fallen short of his expectations for himself so far this season. Um, but at All-Star, when he was pushed with questions about that, he wanted none of it. He was not going down that road. And he all he would just reply about, I'm here. I'm here to have fun. I'm here with my family. It, it's like he did not want to touch that subject. And after the All-Star game, in which he, he played so well, you know, great in the shootout. And, um, yeah, listen, it, it's tough to look great in an all-star game if you're a goalie but Igor played really well I thought um for team Matthews helped him win the championship what have you um but he was asked hey, do you think that this this positive experience uh you know will kind of help you down the stretch of the season you know flip the script you know get on a positive run and he just he looked at the person who asked the question and said we'll see yeah he wanted no part of having to dissect uh you know his game and where he is now and where he's going, which I found interesting because right before the break, it was it was kind of the opposite. He was taking the opposite approach and really was dissecting where he was. Well, let's play a little video clip uh, that you got 
from All-Star Weekend of both Peter LaViolette and Vincent Trocek talking about Igor Shosturkin's play at the All-Star Game. Yeah, I thought Igor was, uh, I thought he was good, good enough to win. <laughs> yeah, as Rangers coach, do you get a little nervous when Igor gets into a four-round shootout? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's through everybody's mind a little bit, but these guys always do a good job, I think, of preparing themselves and warming up and being ready to go, even though there's, it's a different situation and different environment. Um, I think they did a, they did a really good job of just being ready. What was it like uh, playing with you and seeing him make some pretty big saves? I mean, I get to see it all the time, so uh, you just, it was cool to kind of be on the bench with the guys and be like, oh my God, wow, look at all these saves. I mean, he made some insane saves today. Uh, as we all know, he, he does that day in and day out in New York, so it was cool to see him. Now, listening to what they had to say, you could tell that LaViolette and LaViolette seemed like, hey, he is who he is. Right. He played good. He, he played good. He played great enough to win. Right. And Trocek was like, it was fun hearing the other guys yeah. wowing at some of the saves he was making from the bench at the All-Star game. Now, mind you, I don't put a lot of stock into the All-Star game. I just don't. The guys were not going full speed. They admitted to not going full speed. It was nice that Team Matthews won and that the Rangers got, you know, a little boost there for both Shesterkin and Trocek and have a laugh with their coach on the way home. That's all great and all, all good. But the fact that he stopped four, penalty, you know, shootouts, right, to advance them to the final, to me, that spoke volumes. And you were at the event. What was the vibe in the arena, you know, for the All-Star, in general, for the entire, you know, mini tournament? But, you know, for Shesterkin making four saves against some of the world's best players. I mean, listen, you know, I mean, the crowd was into it. And you saw, you know, the first two two games of the, you know, the All-Star game tournament both went to the shootout. Uh, and the fans were juiced by the first one, you know, with Team McDavid. Uh, but then the second one too, you know, listen, Igor, he was, he was good. You know, he made, you know, the first save was a good pad save. Second one was a really good glove save that he made. Uh, then I guess the puck slipped off Pedersen's stick. There wasn't really even a shot there. And then he just kind of, kind of was beaten there by JT Miller at the end, but, you know, re recovered really JT didn't get off the, the shot at the end either. Um, but listen, four for four. Again, some of the best players in the game, right? So, yeah, of course, that's a good thing. I I don't know that a goalie's confidence or his play is going to change dramatically, whether he did great or got crushed, you know, in, in the all-star game or the skills competition or whatever. But I circle back to what you you pointed out in the Trocheck clip was um, – uh, him pointing out how the players were like, oh my gosh, you know, they'd be on the bed. Holy cow, did you see that? And, you know, because he said, I see this every day. You know, I see this every day for me, Gorsha And it just brought me back to my days when I was, you know, covering Henrik during his career every day. And you can cycle, I could cycle through the guys, you know, Ryan McDonough, Ryan Callahan, Chris Drury, um, you know, it's all of his backup goalies, Chris Kreider, you know, all these guys would say the same thing. You know, I see it every day. I see it at practice. I see it in games. 
you know, we don't take it for granted, but the guy is great, you know, and we see that greatness every day. And uh, it was neat to see Trocek have that similar, um, you know, commentary about Shesterkin. Now, listen, let's spin it forward. All-star games are nice. First half of the season, more than it is over already. There are 33 games to go. There's not a single more important New York Ranger than Igor Shesterkin. Um, yeah, I know Panarin's got to score come playoff time. I know that they need to get somebody, you know, right wing to fit on that line, a center to fit on the, on, you know, the third line. Uh, you know, Adam Fox needs to be Adam Fox. Ryan Lindgren needs to be healthy. I could go on and on and on about all the things that need to happen. But at the end of the day, to me, the single most important New York Ranger is Igor Shesterkin. And whether he gets back to this season, if he gets back to what he was two years ago when he set the bar so incredibly high, or he just regains his consistency. Because I think that's been the big rub with him this season, is that he'll have great moments, great periods, even some great games or really good ones. But maybe it doesn't follow to the next period or to the next game or the next week. And I think that's what made him so great a couple of years ago. His level of consistent great efforts is what set him apart when he won the Vezina two years ago. It wasn't that way last year. There was a little drop-off. And listen, that happens. But now I feel there's been more of a drop-off in that area this year. So to me, he's the most important guy. And consistency is going to be the key, the final 33 games until we get to the until the postseason. All-star segue to the Rangers sure. and trade rumors, right? Which is now we're less than we're almost a month away from the trade deadline on March 8th and things are building up, right? So you and I have been having some fun at foreverblueshirts.com. Uh, we've been writing about a multitude of trade possibilities. Um, we've been focused on the Ducks in particular. Um, Adam Henrique, his name has been uh, linked to the Rangers as that third line center option. And with Elias Lindholm off the board for an absolute King's ransom uh, and Sean Monaghan out of Montreal, which I never really expected the Rangers and the Canadians to be making a deal. Um, he went for a pretty penny. First round picks are, are literally the premium for a rental, it seems, and that's where it's going to start. That being said, there's another player in, in, in Anaheim, along with Adam Henrique, that I think the, I think Ranger fans and I just, it seems like such a perfect fit because he played so well with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider when he was here for that brief, that little brief run where they got to the Eastern Conference final that Frank Vitrano, who was at the All-Star game and you could see you know, whenever they caught some candid moments, him and Vincent Trocek seemed to be having a little bit of fun on the ice, and they did meet up in the very first game. That Shesterkin stopped the four penalty shots. Uh, I'm keep saying penalty shots, shootouts. It's just a skills competition at that point. Um, but Vitrano is also now reportedly being linked to the Rangers after it was heard at at All Star Weekend that they inquired about. So. You did speak with Frankie V, 
And I know you asked him about the rumors and he said that, yeah, he hadn't really heard anything, but I don't, but what, what was a player really going to say, even if they did, but give me, let's break it down. Your thoughts on Frank Vetrano, your thoughts on all these rumors, how he fits, what you think, uh, what you heard while you were out there. It's funny. I'll start with something that has nothing to do with anything. You know, if he's going to get traded or what he would bring or what it would cost or, or what have you. I'll start with kind of just more of a fun uh, anecdote, if you will, is there is a serious Italian bromance going on with Vincent Trocek and Frank Vitrano. <laughs> like, you know, they were teammates in Florida. And I asked both of them, you know, about their relationship and everything. And they've been going on and on and on. And, uh, you know, I, I told Trocek some of the things that Vitrano said. That he's cracking up at the podium and shaking his head. And, uh, you know, it's it's just neat to see what good buddies they are. And I, you can tell they would love to be together again, you know, whether it's here or down the road or whatever. As a fellow Italian, I heard Trocek talk about their uh, their their stubbornness is kind of what they have in common. And as a fellow yeah. Italian, I know what that's about. <laughs> well, the funny part was they didn't even say like it, it wasn't like Petrano said, Oh yeah, that Troche is so stubborn. No, he had to point out he's got that Italian stubbornness. And then yes. Troche, you know, when he's talking about Petrano, he's like, like a specific. You know, the thing is, we're both these stubborn Italians. <laughs> it was just it was great how they were both playing it up. And um, you know, it was just it was, you know, kind of you don't always get those opportunities to pull back the curtain. Um, you know, that you know that they were teammates in Florida, but Gee, I didn't know that they were that tight. So it was just neat to, to see all that. But listen, that said, uh, you're right. Frankie said, oh, you know, I didn't hear about the rumors. But the more that I talked to him, uh, he said, well, you know, this is how, you know, when I hear things, you know, I just block it out. I don't focus on it. So I should have followed it and said, oh, so you have heard the rumors is what you're telling me. But didn't, it didn't make sense. It wasn't worth going down that road. But the bottom line is, he knows. He knows his name's out there. You know, Anaheim's not going anywhere. You know, why wouldn't they consider trading him? They don't have to. You know, he's got another year to go. His cap hit's manageable. Um, he gives them a veteran guy that scores while they're still bringing along all these other talented young forwards and defensemen that they have, you know, not only on the roster now, but in the, in the pipeline. Um, so, you know, it makes sense for them to hold on to him, too. But that said, uh, he easily could be, you know, he easily could be a trade target around the league. And at his cap hit, again, it, it carries into next season. So that carries some weight. He's not just a rental, um, which on one hand is a positive, one hand it's a negative. Uh, the Rangers, listen, Chris Jury's got to be on the phone with Pat Verbeek. I'm not saying that there's a trade that will happen, must happen. But you got to explore the option if you're Chris Jury and the Rangers, right? Because you mentioned it before, Zvanajad and Kreider, they have an incredible rapport together on the ice. But they keep misfiring. You know, you put all these talented guys on the right wing, and there's just not always a click. And Vitrano was a click when he was here two years ago in the run to the Eastern Conference Final. He's, he's got good speed, plays a straight-ahead game. He's a north-south guy. You know, there's not too much crazy fancy with him. 
you know, kind of lunch paling it with a lot of skill, I might add, and great speed. Um, it just, he was such a good fit with them that going back and having a reunion with him is really appealing. Plus, he's a great guy. He was extremely popular in that locker room. You know, there are a lot of the intangibles as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but bottom line is, think of all the guys they've tried there on right wing, and not just this year. But for years, you know, certainly since Buchnevich was traded and even before that. So um, this is one I really feel strongly about, that the Rangers will get deep into this unless Anaheim is, you know, looking for a king's ransom. And then, and this is where I'd love to get your opinion on it, can you tie in Adam Henrique? Can, you, can, can it be a one-stop shop? Now, that's going to be a big trade. It's going to cost but can you get your third line center, your veteran third line center on a rental and a top line right wing for not only this year, but next year? Yeah, I think when you look at it, it's going to come down to the first round picks got to go the other way. And, and honestly, I would not make the trade unless it was for both Adam Henrique and Frank Vitrano because you're closing two holes, right? Um, you're going you're gonna to get Vitrano to play first line right wing that drops Blake Wheeler down, right? So that's a that's a that's a plus, and then you get Henrique to be your third line center because right now that's a gaping hole they don't have anybody to fill at the moment. You know, they 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 tried Benino too slow. He's now he's now going to you know on the he's on the waivers and now he's going to Hartford. You have Goodrow who is a four almost a four million dollar a year player is your fourth line center. As much as I love Goodrow, I just he doesn't fit. Right. So he's not going to he's not going to move the needle for you offensively on the third line. You need somebody with some offensive ability. Henrique makes a lot of sense. He's a UFA at the end of the season. Right. So he's a rental. You're going to need Anaheim to eat salary 50 percent on him for sure. So that would bring him down around two something. Right. Two and a half million dollars per se. That's the you've got to That first round pick is to is to get Henrique and to also get that salary to be eaten. To get Vetrano, you're going to have to trade Kako. You got to open up the spot anyway. Kako's not going to go on the fourth line. Neither is Wheeler. Kako is a restricted free agent at the end of the year. So arguably, he makes 2.1 right now. Arguably, he could be asking for three, three and a half, right? Because he's a former second overall pick, right? So that's... Kind of, kind of where you're going to be at, regardless of his of, of his poor showing this season, right? And his struggles that have been basically since he was drafted, okay? Because he's he averages for his career, he's like under 0.4 points per game. I think it's 0.3 something at this point. Uh, you get Matrano at like 3.6, I believe he makes, or something for one more year. And he's, you've got a potential 30 goal scorer almost for sure. And plus, he fits the style of play La Violette wants, which is north-south with speed and shooting pucks. While Kako, as much as I love him, right, I think he's a solid player and who's got, I do believe he has an NHL future, plays the boards really well, but doesn't drive to the net and goes east-west maybe a little too much or stays out on the perimeter far too long to be effective in the NHL. I, I I mean, the last few games since he came back from injury, I'm seeing more driving to the net. That is great. 
But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, if Toronto is 29, you could possibly extend him for a, a small bump for a couple of more years and then bring in Brendan, Brendan, uh, Brendan Othman and convert him to a right wing and open up that spot for him or maybe convert Will Cooley to right wing so that way Othman is there on left wing maybe for next season on the third line. Because Othman is, is basically NHL ready. I, I've seen enough to know that this kid needs to be getting 12 to 15 minutes a night in the NHL. He's that good. He's got a shot. He's got hockey sense. He's got decent speed. He's not a, He's not going to blow anybody away. You know, I, I, Craig Button, at, at one point, I had an exchange with Craig Button. He compared him to Jason Robertson in Dallas. If if Brendan Hoffman is Jason Robertson in Dallas, the Rangers have a hell of a player there. So I, I think it's one of those things where there's going to be a group of fans who are going to be very disappointed if Kaku is moved at this trade deadline. But it's almost like if you want to bring in two players that could possibly get you over the hump and the Eastern Conference is wide open. Let's also, like, there's nobody running away with these. I like the Bruins. They've got great goaltending. But, you know, they don't have Bergeron. They don't have David Krejci. So that's a bit of a hole. And they were supposed to be the top landing spot for Lindholm, and they didn't get him. So they still have some center concerns. Florida is good, probably playing much better than anybody anticipated, right? Even though they did have a nice run, but they didn't have a great regular season last year. Florida could be the, the top team in the East at, at the moment. Carolina has goaltending concerns. Philadelphia is way too young. Detroit's way too young. Tampa's long in the tooth. Toronto has never won anything. So they've got a bunch of guys who can scores, but defense is always a concern. So I'm laying it out that everyone- It's always spring. Right. And, and this to me, this to me circles back to Shesterkin. I know we're talking right wing and center, but if Shesterkin raises his level of play, I'm not even talking about 2022 level. I mean, if he gets to that level, I, I'm sorry, Rangers are the team to beat in the East. But assuming he doesn't get back quite to that level, just raising his game and his consistency is a difference maker. Because look at all the teams that you're talking about there. For the most part, there are goaltending questions. It's not just in New York. And New York doesn't, I, that, it's bad to say. New York doesn't have a goaltending question. I mean, he's the guy and he still has plenty of fine, good, great moments. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying about that. But he hasn't been as good as expected. Carolina's goaltending has been way off this year. And who knows if Freddie Anderson even comes back. You know, they probably have to make a move at the deadline there. Um, you know, Philly, young team, you point out, but you know, Carter Hurry is is obviously probably done for the season. You go, you know, to the other divisions and you have the same thing. Uh, Vasilevsky hasn't been quite Vasilevsky since coming back from the injury. Maybe he finds it, you know, here in the second half down the stretch. But if you get Igor back at a high consistent level, that bridges the gap now between Rangers and Boston and Rangers and Panthers. Because right now, those two teams are probably, I probably like them a little bit better at this stage of the season because, A, Swayman's been great in Boston. Great. He's been terrific. One of the top three goalies in the league. And Bobrovsky, 
who's certainly had wild up and downs in Florida, has been very, very good for the Panthers this season. Both of them, I argue, have been better than Igor. But if uh, Igor closes down. the gap on them, I like the Rangers team as much, if not better, th than those two. So that's why Igor, to me, is just so important. I agree. I agree. I think those are all valid points. And the Rangers, I think, still need to answer address some holes. I mean, you get a guy like Vetrano again, and if they don't get Vetrano and it's only Henrique, then maybe you you target you know Vladimir Tarasenko in Ottawa. That's a possibility. Although once you give up that first round pick, I don't know if you're going to get them to eat fifty percent of the salary. So I think it's it, that's why to me the Ducks deal makes so much sense because you cover two issues. So there's that. Um, there's also to me the third option would be trying to pluck Anthony Duclair out of uh, San Jose for that right wing hole. I think he would be fantastic, and that's a deal where I think I David Quinn. I think he would be okay. Well, I, I think that's a deal where it's fantastic from the standpoint that. You could probably save your first round pick if you're really adamant about keeping it and maybe swapping Kako for the Claire and maybe getting something else in return could possibly to, to supplement swapping Kako for Duclair though. If you get another pick back, maybe you get a second round pick or you get something that's a possibility. Remember, at some point the Rangers are gonna have to make decisions about which young stars are playing on this team because Kako. If he's not a 30 goal scorer and an 80 point getter, you're going to have him block Gabriel Perot. You can also, I mean, this, this is a whole other show, but then, then you go down the road of, well, you know, if we're talking about Kako this way, what about Lafreniere? We have to have the Lafreniere story, the conversation too. You are a hundred percent correct. But right now, Laf is at, Laf is showing that, there might be that he's got the talent that we all expected is now starting to come. And the bottom line is, is the underlying metrics is he's getting his chances. He just seems snake bit. He probably should have five to 10 more goals than he does right now. And to me, that's an optimistic point of view. And this is, you know, he's entering, I believe this is his, um, please correct me if I'm wrong. He was drafted in, 2020 so this would be his fourth season in the nhl or he's going like so kako's already on year five and we haven't seen anything out of kako that would indicate to me yes there's enough there for me to go we can hold off on perot we can hold off on Othman. we could you know let's, let's not forget brett berard is having quite quite the campaign you know down for the down with the wolf pack and he's really fast, which is something the Rangers could use, and he has an incredible shot. See, I could really like him in a third-line role. I, I don't know that he's the top sixer. Um, again, you know, we'd see, but I don't think he's the top sixer. I think Othman or Cooley certainly down the road seems to fit that that mode better, or that mold, excuse me, better uh, than Berard. But man, you put him, imagine him on a third line, you know, because what we talked about, there's no scoring on the third line mm -hmm. and you need more two-way play from them, but that's part of Berard's game. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued by him. You know, I included him in my story today, but I was trying to come up with options. Uh, if 
the Rangers didn't want to trade Kako, but they're still trying to get these two guys from Anaheim or, uh, you know, or if they didn't have the right amount of high level picks to trade, you know, because they don't have a lot of second and third rounders coming up uh, over the next few drafts. Uh, I was just trying to throw options out there and you wonder what kind of appeal outside of New York a Brett Berard would have and Adam Sikora would have. I even threw out a couple defensive names because Anaheim has some guys in the pipeline, but, uh, you know, they're trying to build a good young mobile defense there, you know, is, again, not as a prime piece, but as a secondary piece to the Rangers, again, because they don't have a lot of draft picks to trade, you know, do they try and fortify with a Zach Jones or Drew Fortescue? Um, You know, it's, Again, we're guessing. We're not on the phone. We're, we don't have jury's phone tapped, right? Nope. So we're just trying to figure it out. But I'd be curious, um, and and this is something that we can work on, just talk to people around the league and kind of get a feel for what, what do people feel about a Brett Berard or an Adam Sikora or whatever, um, what level of interest there is in them, not as primary pieces to a trade, but are they the type of guys that could be sweeteners to a trade? Because again, the Rangers don't have a lot of picks to trade. That being said, if we're still a little focused on Berard, I did mention Kako, but I, again, trading Kako for Duclair doesn't make sense. I don't even think San Jose would give up a draft pick for him, to be honest with you. But just getting the wheels turning, Brett Berard for Duclair might be of interest because you have to look at David Quinn and you have to look at, at Mike Greer. They have familiarity with Berard and also David, you know, the U.S. National Development Program, right? Team USA, Berard played for them. So there, there could be something there if all options fail and, you know, they go, can we get a Duclair from San Jose? Would Brett Berard and maybe, you know, another pick move the needle for them because they, they're going to lose them anyway. So it's possible. Again, with the with the rental market being what it is and first rounders going out going out the door like candy, it's going to be very, very tough to figure out what it's going to take. And like I said, if the Rangers are going to give up a first round pick, you've got to me, it starts to only make sense when it's a multiplayer deal and it's you know for multiple players in a package. And the ducks, I just the Rangers and Ducks are screaming to me, trade, trade. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure the conversations are happening. And and here's the thing, too. We didn't even touch on this. And, and you've made a good point in one of your stories. I think it was last week or maybe the week before where you said, Drury, it was a it was good observation. Drury's showed last year that he's willing to move early mm-hmm. and may even be inclined to do so to get a guy in a couple weeks, a few weeks before the deadline. So you get those extra stretch of games and practices. Um, I, I was talking about that with Rick Bonus, the, the Jets coach the other day, when we were talking about the Monahan trade. And I said, how vital was it to make this deal now? Not because Vancouver just got Lindholm and you're trying to, you know, keep, keep um, you know, on pace in the Western Conference, but because you get the guy for, you know, basically that's four full weeks before you even hit the deadline before the real final stretch of the season. And he's like, it's, it's invaluable. He said, late in the season, teams don't practice a lot. You're, you're trying to get your, it's rest and recovery, rest, recovery, and play for teams down the stretch. 
So you get a guy at the deadline and sure, you know, there's juice and these guys are professionals. They, they you know, they figure it out systems and all that. But if you really want to integrate somebody, the sooner you can do it, the better. And we've seen it now. The Lindholm trade happens, then boom, the Monaghan trade happens. So I really, and based, you know, on jury what he did last year at the deadline or ahead of the deadline, I should say, I wouldn't be surprised to see sooner rather than later, even if it's not the big one yet, that the Rangers, the pieces start to move here. And, and I think sooner, sooner rather than later. All right, Jim. Well, this was a, a fun chat. Um, you did a great job at All-Star Weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward it. to seeing what happens at the stadium series. You should be there as well. Uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. Anything you want to close out with, Jim? I just, it's it's exciting to 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 be here. And you know, I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but we really have hit the ground running, to say the least. And uh, the support, you know, from the fans and everything has has been awesome. And I uh, just want to continue to grow. And listen, let's have a great trade deadline, and then let's. You know, zoom it down, down the stretch and into the playoffs. You know, it's an exciting time. You know, if somebody's a Ranger fan, it's an exciting time to be following this team. I, I know that they limped into the stretch, but you know, this is a good team. This is a good team that they put together. And you know, I know we break it down and we're always looking at the negatives and stuff. But this is a good team. And they have a legitimate shot at a run here, as you pointed, with the Eastern Conference. So, but no matter what happens, good, bad, indifferent, we're going to be all over it. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to hit that like and that subscribe button for us. We'd appreciate it. And check us out at foreverblueshirts.com.